This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. All right, so college football, I've had this question asked. It was actually asked of me today by our friends in Charlotte. I was on with Mac and Bone in the morning on WFNZ. They asked about, how do you fix the bowl system? And I'm not sure there's a fix for the bowl system. I'm really not. Because the sport of college football today, the entity that is college football, is so vastly different from what it was. First of all, we ask, we have, and we continue to ask more and more and more and more of the players without really providing them with a reason why it's a good idea. Especially when we're talking about players who believe that they have professional careers ahead of them playing. It's really hard to convince them that there's anything you can do for them that is worth the risk of playing a game that doesn't really matter. And I understand the argument of, you know, a game in November when you're not playing for a conference championship, you're not in a race or anything like that. I could understand the argument that those games don't matter either. Yeah, I get it. And I don't think I would be that surprised if we got to a point where certain players were opting out of games like that. But I think that that would speak ill of players and damage their draft possibilities. I don't think that skipping out on a bowl game, especially one that carries no meaning... I don't believe that skipping out in a bowl game would do that. It didn't hurt Christian McCaffrey to skip out on, what was it, the Sun Bowl? I think it was Stanford and Carolina in that game. It didn't hurt him then. And I don't think that something like that will hurt players skipping out on bowl games. It does bother me how many fans are so mad at this. Because the players do not owe you a thing. I don't care how much NIL money you pump into the system. They do not owe you anything. They've given you the season, in some cases. They don't owe you anything. To me, the only fix for for the bowl system if we're talking about it in terms of how do you get players to play in these bowls, isn't even an incentive, a monetary incentive from the school or from the bowl. It's really to make the bowls the beginning of a season as opposed to the end of a season. Let's start there with Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, Cover 3 podcast. Do you have a fix for the bowl system? Less bowls. Um, How are we going to get to that? Well, yeah, we're not. Because <laughs> so the, the, here, this is my my general thought is coming from the perspective. Now, I did not play college football, so I did not experience right. this. But I, I've covered the sport for a long time, and I work with a lot of former college football players. And 
the mentality of, and the list, this is, I will say, I will tell you why Les Bulls in a second, but the bowl system is um, positive for college football players with this perspective. If you have a good season and you are a good team, then you get invited to a bowl. And the bowl game is, to me, much more about everything that happens before the game kicks off than it is about the actual result of the game, which is an exhibition. Yeah. It is about going somewhere that is touristy. It is about going there with your teammates that you have been in an absolute grind with. It is about doing all the fun things associated with the bowls. And, you know, when you go to Charlotte, you get to drive a race car. And when you, you go to El Paso, you try not to wander into Juarez. You know, there are some things, you know, highs and lows. But everyone talks about, you know, just being able to have all that downtime around the holidays at the end of the season and it being a positive experience. In the year 2000, Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone can do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. And so that meant that if you were invited to a bowl game, you were somewhere near among the top 50 teams in the FBS subdivision. We have 41 bowls now, and that changes the math entirely where you can even be among all 133 FBS teams subpar. You can be, if we rank all the teams in the football bowl subdivision, You can be below the 50% line and still get invited. There are other pieces to this, which, of course, I think I mostly point to the transfer portal windows and the early signing period that are more calendar-related. But if the thing that has made bowls special for teams and players that enjoy it is that it is a reward for a good season, then I'm actually not on the Move It to Week Zero campaign, which I like – it sounds like you are. My colleague Danny Cannell is on that. I understand why that would change some of the opt-outs, but I still think a bowl game is an exhibition at the end of what, to me, most important, a trip that is a reward for playing a good football season. Here's the thing, Chip. I am not necessarily a proponent of moving the, the bowl season to the beginning of the year. I think it probably needs a hybrid look because – for the most part, if we want to reward, for the most part, the teams, right, for the seasons that they had, there are there are a number of teams, and certainly the Florida State example is extreme. What was the, like, 30-some-odd players who were on their roster, like, in, in the game against Louisville, weren't <laughs> for the bowl game? So that is an extreme. It would be foolish to do anything. Florida State's they, also, hey, look, I'm saying this real quick. Florida State's an outlier roster. Mike Norvell's got 50 players he's gotten from the transfer portal right. over the last two years. 
What is it like? They haven't spent four years in that program. They also had seniors who came back when they could have gone pro, like Jared Verse, right. who were only coming back to try to compete for a championship. Like the Florida State example actually revealed what a kind of a house of cards that Seminoles roster was. I'm not talking about whether they deserved or didn't deserve uh, you know, a spot right. in the college football playoff, but the reason why Mike Norvell had to build through the portal is that he has not been a good high school recruiter, and that's been tough because Florida State was in the doldrums. Like they just got up to being in the upper crust, and so that got exposed when all of a sudden they had to go to their backups because their backups were uh, so below the championship standards that Mike Norvell had to go get all those players from the portal. It's it's funny because somebody sent me Georgia's opt-outs too, and they're like, "Uh, it's the same. I'm like, it ain't the same. You could pretend it's the same, but so Georgia's third stringers, and I just used that term, or were better, obviously, than Florida State's third stringers. It was not the same. One one is a program that has been building, and they have like legitimate superstar level players pushing out the others who are going to the NFL. Florida State. Look, it, it, it was a silly conversation. Uh, Danny, uh, your friend Danny Cannell, my friend Danny Cannell, I guess too, uh, put out on social media as people were losing their minds over the the scoreline of Georgia, Florida State. Like, look, we knew this was going to happen. It was always going to happen because of the opt-outs of Florida State's roster. You can't draw any conclusions. But here's my to- my take about um, how maybe a hybrid system. Because there are a level of games. There are a level of teams. Maybe we're talking about, for the most part, group of five bowl games. Uh, or maybe it's some of the lesser, the lower level uh, you know, power five bowl games that those games can be played in the, in December, but anything that seems majorish, if they're not going to be folded into part of the playoff. And I don't think they are. Maybe we put those as week zero games and have those matchups, which were certain would certainly be a lot better uh, than some of the stuff that is passed off in week zero. So you're looking at the examples of, like, the Music City Bowl. Yeah, Pinstripe Bowl, Fenway Bowl. Yeah, that, like, uh, that those games, um, you know, they, they all of a sudden become your week zero or week one kickoff special. Again, it's- I don't even know if that's, if, if that's tenable. I do know the, the way we currently do it really isn't, especially with, with the mindset of people, uh, placing way too much importance on these games the um again it's just uh, uh, this conversation just continues to draw me back to you know we we really didn't used to have this many bowl right. games and so the idea that you were playing in it and that you were playing in it with your teammates was a little bit different yeah and you know we might have like if, if we moved the transfer portal window then kids couldn't get into school for the upcoming semester right. to be able to be there for spring practice. So we'll, we can't move the transfer portal window. No. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I'm willing to wait until we really get into the, uh, the college football playoff expansion yep. because the first round of the college football playoff start on December 20th, which is about the same time that the bowl season normally starts. And if the other bowl games 
are just filler content to get you hyped up for the next playoff game, well, then I, I think that that is going to – those playoff games will be able to scratch the itch of fans that they don't feel as let down by the product of those other bowl games as opposed to the current calendar, which has you waiting for a month. And if none of those games in between the conference championship game and the actual playoff games feel competitive and they all feel watered down and thin, then you're going to be a little bit more upset about it. We get into the expanded playoff era where you've got the first round on-campus games on December 20th, then you are going to be jacked up for that, (laughs) then more than happy to watch the Wasabi Fenway Bowl as your – as your drunk pizza at the end of the night, two <laughs> days later. Uh, it's, it, it is a great undercard uh, if you think about it. All right, let me, uh, let, let's, let's talk actual football. Um, first of all, with, with everything that happened leading up, and I, I said yesterday, two things can be true at the same time. Florida State could have gotten screwed, and I believe they got screwed. They should have been one of the four teams in the playoff. But at the same time, for the last time, the last time in the four-team era, college football had two compelling, I don't know if great, but certainly two compelling national semifinals. We hadn't had that. We'd always had one blowout at least, and we actually had two games. We won in overtime. The other that ended up going down to the final play. What was your overall takeaway from, uh, what, the New Year's Day the whole semifinal experience. Yeah, so um, I, I think that they were both incredible theater. Uh, I think that for Alabama-Michigan, there was outstanding coaching from both of those uh, sides. Michigan was doing things that it had not done all season long. Uh, I thought that Alabama put in the perfect adjustments to that to be able to put themselves in a position that they were leading by a touchdown yep. in the fourth quarter with a chance to go to the national championship. And then just some some downright incredible stuff, uh, even from, you know, J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum in Michigan to be able to get back into that game and to be able to, you know, even get it to overtime. So when I'm looking at what was not just compelling, but I do think really great semifinals when you consider the teams and the stakes, the ultimate takeaway for me is that in a college football season – where there was no monster, where there was no juggernaut, the thin margin between even the very best teams in the country was revealed in two playoff semifinals that were decided on the very last play of the game. So, you know, we haven't seen, uh, you know, one team trounce through everybody because all season long we haven't had one team that had separated itself that much from the rest of the group. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know, that we have a 14 and O conference champion against a 14 and O conference champion for the national championship on Monday night. And, uh, and I'm, if Washington wins, I think that not only will it break the blue chip ratio, I also think Washington is a team that we will never, ever see again. Uh, they are a combination of, uh, the COVID pandemic, um, the transfer portal, you know, they have six, six year seniors and fifth year seniors all over that depth chart. And so how do you combat elite talent? You do it with elite experience and elite coaching. 
So Washington is kind of a comet of a team. It would be cool if they win the national championship. And then if Michigan gets it done, um, they, they have been the story since the very beginning of the year, and it would be uh, kind of a remarkable final moment. I mean, there's, you know what there is? There's some real 1998 last dance um, <laughs> vibes with this Michigan team. I think they're going to have 15 players go to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I think their head coach is going to be off to the NFL. And I think that pretty much everybody knows that, um, you know, this is it for this run of Michigan football. The program has been forever changed by Jim Harbaugh and the work of those juniors and seniors, but they're trying to go out by winning a title. Yeah, I, I, I think they're, I like Washington in the game. Um, and I like Washington because I think their offense is significantly better than Michigan's offense. And I know Michigan's defense is significantly better than Washington's defense. And I think Washington kind of proved that uh, at the end of the game against Texas. But I think the game, college game, is about offense more than it's about defense these days. And I I just like Washington. It's It was funny to me. To hear all the, how come Michael Penix wasn't a high, well, didn't get more love for the Heisman as though people didn't look at the vote and realize that he was second and it was a relatively close vote, even though Jaden Daniels was the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, I said, Michael Penix got my vote. I voted him number one. Um, but their offense is awesome. Is the running back healthy? Because I think if the running back is healthy, Washington wins. Yeah, I don't think so. Um so after the game, uh, I was talking to Washington's players, and they were saying he was in the locker room. He was in good spirits. Kalen DeBoer said they hadn't had an update at that point. Ryan Grubb, their offensive coordinator, says the x-rays are negative, but this is a foot injury that Dylan Johnson has been dealing with for a while. Right. My expectation is that he'll dress and he'll go out there for warm-ups, but I do not think that they are going to go into this game uh, especially against the Michigan defensive front that is loaded up with Jenkins and Grant and Mason Graham and Josiah Stewart. Like, I just don't think that they are going to think handing the ball to Dylan Johnson 25 times is going to be the best way for them to right. win. So maybe it's gamesmanship. Maybe it's just allowing Dylan Johnson to be a part of this with, um, you know, his brothers. Like, again, like I, I love, I loved being around this Washington team for about five days and being able to see the connection of this group, which really adopted Kalen DeBoer. Um, you know, they when Kalen DeBoer came in, a lot of those guys were in his office, and they were like, hey, I'm not going to promise you I'm not going to transfer. And Kalen DeBoer said, just give me a chance. And they were so impressed by what DeBoer and his staff made up a former, you know, Sioux Falls right. NAIA <laughs> assistants and guys from Idaho and Boise State. They've got a vibe, man. Like, I – believe any of the following results i would believe a washington win i would believe a michigan win i would believe a michigan blowout i don't know if i would believe a washington blowout just because i do think with michigan's ground game yeah. and pace of play that it would be very difficult for washington to totally run away with this steve sarkeesian got too cute in the sugar bowl they were running the ball very effectively and then they abandoned the run. And I think it, it might have cost the Longhorns a uh, shot to play in the national championship game. So, yeah, I, I would I think Washington plus four and a half is a very fun ticket to be sitting on if you're going into it in a game that I do think Washington could win. 
But ultimately, if you look at CBSSports.com, I believe that the result will be the same as each of the last four national championship games, which is that the favored team goes on to win it. All right, I've got Washington outright, but that's uh, that's just me. Um, real quick, Gene Chizik's departure from UNC. I mean, was he really that good at Carolina? Because I don't think so. Uh, wait, was he really that good or really that bad? If he, if he's gone, then it's because he was that bad, right? I mean, they they mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, I think that Gene Chizik got them from really bad to bad on defense. Is um to me a move that is a signal. Um, maybe it connects with the locker room. Maybe it doesn't. I imagine it connects with very powerful people who support the North Carolina football program who would like to see some accountability for a defense that was poor and a team that fell apart down the stretch of the season the, in part because of their inability to get stops. I think that the one thing that is a working theory that I'm sort of cooking right now is that the reason why we have seen these late season collapses is that while that defense has four-star players and blue-chip prospects and some really good top-end guys, I don't know how good their real depth is. Right. And so you lean so heavily yeah. on those top-line guys who are pretty good. And look, they come out against South Carolina with their hair on fire. You know, they come up with some big stops that are needed in some of those early wins that get you off to a good start in September and October. But you get back into those later stages of the year, a couple players start to get a little bit nicked up, and you really got to rely on your depth. And I just, like, I don't know if a coaching change is going to, like, fix nope. what might just be a structural roster construction problem or a strength and conditioning problem or a coaching problem, which might be that you're not relying on that depth early in the season so that your guys are fresh later. Um, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time around college football playoff programs. The ones who know that they're going to be in the college football playoff, they have a 14, 15 game mentality to how they do their substitutions and their right. rotations and how they treat minor injuries early in the year. It's something that a lot of teams can't afford to do because they don't have talented backup. So what can you do either through the portal recruiting or development to fix that fact? Because again, just a working theory I think that North Carolina, at the very top line of its defense, has enough players that you're like, they should be better. But the fact of the matter is, it's the twos and the threes that either aren't good enough or aren't good enough yet that they are the ones who are causing the problems that uh, that lead to these late-season collapses. Chip Patterson, always awesome. Happy New Year, my friend. I'll talk to you very soon. I'll talk to you next week, even. Happy New Year. Sounds good. Y'all be well. You got it. Chip Patterson here on the Adam Gold Show. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc.